Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. I'm your host, Kofi Coleman. On this episode, this is a what a, the kind of person that I call like a, like a miracle, magical person, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But he is a musician, a producer, uh, an artist, but also a musical director. So like some of the biggest events that we are accustomed to watching, it's, it has to be somebody to kind of direct it, put it together. And so I'm talking about the Super Bowl, talking about the Grammys, talking about BT Awards, all these major events. And this young brother right here, Mr. Adam Blackstone, is the person that helps put all that together. So first of all, big fan from the Philly area. So like we have a, a deeper, you know, Philadelphia connection. All day, man. Power night. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, right? So like, right. here's the other thing about you too. Like you are like a Forrest Gump because you've been at a lot of like historic moments in the culture like um man I, that's a great analogy bro which happens to it. be to happens to be my favorite movie of all time it's so okay. crazy that you that you said that i, I i'll take it man I, i'll take the forest gump analogy yeah it's it's been a uh an incredible ride my longevity in this business man has been very much testament to good character to integrity and to trying to be the best musical support that i can be for all the incredible artists in this in this business about you which is amazing is sort of like what i say is magical is i manage creative people right so i I manage a bunch of creative people i'm a creative person so i guess god put me in this position but it, it is very difficult to sort of corral Yes. And move along creative people, many of whom are like really like, you know, prickly and people (laughs) there. And then there's a vision and then they just like, this is my vision and this is the only way. This is the way I want to play in the sandbox. And so um, one of the reasons why I mean, I always, you know, was probably knew all about you and and understand your your backstory in general. But I watched the um, Dr. Dre Super Bowl documentary. That's when I was like, you corral Dr. Dre, Mary, Eminem, 50 Cent, and just watching you work. You really inspired me. You really actually taught me, like, you know, because I deal with a lot of celebrities too sometimes. And so it's like, you got to be very careful. You, you, it's a very, very line you got to walk. Strategic. So, yeah, strategic. You're so soft spoken. And I, I, I ask anybody if you have not seen, there's a documentary, it's on Showtime about the Super Bowl. The Pepsi yeah. Super Bowl halftime called the show. The show. It's a must-watch. And I actually taught my staff, the staff that works under me. I, I told them they should watch it because it really just shows you a how to how these big events come about. But how do you juggle all of that energy? And so um, we'll get a little bit into your history, but I wanted to just start with this because you've done about five of these Super Bowl halftimes, which is like amazing. They've yeah. all been great. Of course, the first one was when the Eagles, are you an Eagles fan? So so, so much an Eagles fan, bro. Bleed green all day. 
So the first one was the Eagles with Justin Timberlake, right? So like that yeah. was you. So you got a chance to go to the Eagles, the Super Bowl win, and you you did the Shakira and J Lo one, which was phenomenal. And then you did Dr. Dre, which was last year, and then you just did Rihanna. Yes. Let's just start with day one. This is what we're gonna do. We got X amount of artists, and we'll just let's focus on the Dr. Dre one because that was such an epic moment okay. in Los Angeles. Yeah. So where do you start when you got 13 minutes and you got all of that? Where do you start to put that together? Well, one of the first things I want to say, I just had this conversation earlier, is that I don't want to take for granted that Drake called me, Philly boy, Jersey boy, East Coast boy, to come put this West Coast set together. You know what I'm saying? I have been working with Drake for the past 10 years on his live music stuff. So we definitely had a incredible chemistry uh, met him through Eminem or whatever, which I met Eminem through Questlove. And so how the Super Bowl process starts is that, you know, around August, September, Dre hit me, said, yo, we got this idea. I've been talking to Jay-Z and we're talking about possibly yada, yada, yada. I said, OK, well, keep me posted. Let me know. Let, let me know what we're doing. I got your back. Thankfully, because I had done two previous Super Bowls, in my head, I'm like, I know how this goes as far as the catalog, what we call Super Bowl is like a catalog show. And it sucks, specifically when you have one artist, pen, I'll put a pin in that for a second, when you have one artist whose catalog can span generations, decades, and also a timeline where you need two hours. Now, what they failed to tell me that early in the year was it was going to be five of them. <laughs> so the 13 minutes alone, man, I was just kind of like, how do I give people, the viewers, their favorite moments without them feeling like they missed their favorite moments in life, whether that be musically, a catalog show puts you in a nostalgic place as well. I remember where I was when I heard G thing. I remember where I was when I first heard 50. Or I remember where I was when Eminem, the white boy rapper, just turned into one of the goats. You know what I'm saying? So how do I give people that nostalgic feeling of a heart moment as well when they hear this music in such a short period of time and also have it be able to relate to a greatest hits type of catalog show for the artists that I'm working for. And so it starts with set list right away, man. Then I start testing it out. You know, I talked to Dre and said, what story do you want to tell? How do we want to start? We want to start big. We want to start hood. We want to start NWA. Do we want to do it as a chronological thing? He's like, yo, I just wanted to feel like a movie. That's one of the things he told me. So right away, I'm like, Bam, 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 bam. You know, what I'm, saying? I'm like, that's it right there. Like, it, it, it sounds like a trailer off the gate. You yeah. know, next episode. So we next went. Next episode is like legendary. That's it. Record, like massive. You know, you know who it is when you, you hear it. White, black woman, male. They'll be playing that record for thousands of years. When you think about Dr. Dre, if you had to pick one song for Dr. Dre to best explain him, is that one? That's deep. That's deep of you to say. And so we went that way. Then I went to a Rams game randomly enough, like around December of the year prior. And I was like, every time they scored, they played California love. Right. And so in my head, I'm like, well, this has to be in there. Granted where we are, 
yeah. in Cali, granted where we are in SoFi, granted where we are. The Rams are in the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Makes sense. And, and so I went to California Love then. And then I started thinking about weird stuff, Cole. And I don't know if we're getting into this geeky music talk, but like I start thinking about tempos. I start thinking about keys, what key the records are in. I start thinking about the kick being similar to the next song. So it's like when the transition happens. Transition. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sonic transition is not so far off that it's like, wait, what was that? That's a big part of how I program a show as well. And Dr. Dre being the curator of that Super Bowl, meaning like he's touched these individuals' lives, there is a synergy that happens throughout the record. You know what I'm saying? And so from there... I also knew that we had that special guest of 50. I was like, well, let me do 50 early so people aren't waiting. So from California Love, we went to In the Club. And then right away, I was like, wait a minute. In the Club has the same kick, same key as Family Affair. You know what I'm saying? So how can I transition that? And maybe we see Mary right there. You know what I'm saying? And those sketches kind of went back and forth. You know, we ended up on... You know, I don't know, version 30, 31, 32, by the time it was all said and done. And then going to Kendrick Lamar, I really wanted to show how the new schoolness of what the impact he means to our culture and to hip hop in general has transcended. He almost brought it back to some NWA with me starting off with Pyrus and Crips all got along. They probably wrote me down to the, that's almost like 2020. Two in that moment, what Easy Cube DOC would say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like in my head, I'm kind of doing this reverse timeline of like this. The newest guy there is actually preaching a old message, if you think about it, you know what I'm saying? And then from Kendrick, this is crazy. I'm talking about this out of my mouth because I never really did this cold, like how I how I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tie in. The tempos of we going to be all right to a Dr. Dre record that happened with Eminem, because if you think about the biggest M record, which is Lose Yourself, which is what we did, Dre didn't technically produce that song. Right. So I, I did want to then bring it back to a Dr. Dre sense, which is why I said we going to be all right now. Everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move. They live just a bunch of We going to be all. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got, you know what I mean? So I was able to hybrid mash up those hooks, brought it back to a Dre consciousness. And then we went and then the stadium just explodes. You know what I'm saying? Well, you you just gave it to me. Right. But then you have to pitch it to the artist. So I remember and I got to pitch it. But like, you know, I, I learned from Pharrell, if I can be super honest. He the master salesman, bro. Yeah. He plays stuff loud and confident. And <laughs> it's like he make you feel it like it's already 100,000 in the room when it's just him. And so when I'm pitching this, I'm singing it and I'm hype and I'm waving my hands. And I'm like, nowadays, everybody want it. Like, you know what I'm saying? They like, oh, yo, that's crazy. And so I really feel that thing, yo. And, and I don't want to ever... You know, this is a note to young musicians everywhere. Like, if you're not feeling it yourself, nobody else going to feel that. Because when I did that mashup, I was like, yo, 
this is crazy. <laughs> like, you know, you were, excited. you were excited to pitch it to the artist. I was like, oh, this is yeah, yeah, man. I was yeah, excited yeah. myself. You know yeah. what I mean? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And then ending with still DRE is kind of like, you know, just where we are. On the piano, we still we still here and uh, we always going to still be here. Hip hop is still here. Dr. Dre is still here 30 years later. You know, as a culture, we still here and we're going to represent still here right at the Super Bowl, biggest stage in the world. So, yeah. You know, that was my thought process in a nutshell of everything. Now, we we went through some different courses and song choices in the middle of that and Jay-Z having his opinion and stuff like that. But that's where we ended up. And, and it was it felt cool, man. I felt uh, felt like a culture shifting moment for sure. So, you know, as you listen to this, think about all of that creative energy he just talked about. And somehow he took that like clay and molded that into one of the most epic Super Bowl uh, halftime performances we've ever seen. That's kind of star power and that kind of blackness for the globe, like for you to yeah. be a part of it. I mean, you're still a relatively young guy yeah. um, with a lot of musical history yourself. And for you to be a part of that, like had to be like just you had to sit in there and pinch yourself a couple times when you're like watching it actually play out to be a part of something like that. Just knowing how you grew up in Trenton and just how you just came about and loving music. Like what was that like for you to just to be? And again, this was Dr. Dre. You did it with Shakira and JLo. You did it with Justin Timberlake. Like, you know, you've had several of these moments. Yeah. What does that feel like? It's so interesting, man. I think Justin Timberlake Super Bowl was some of my best work I've ever done in my life. But it was something different about the impact that Dre had made amongst my peers that was hitting me. That was like, bro, that ish right there got gave me goosebumps based off of where I was in 94 or right. where I was in 99 when I saw Fifth or where I was hearing Family Affair in the club with Mary or where I was discovering Kendrick in 2011. Right. It kind of was this timeline of greatness and Cole, if I could be completely honest with you, I've had a hard time and I'm working on this through my own forms of therapy, being in the moment and in enjoying the moment, if I can be honest. And it wasn't until people like my mentors, Questlove, James Poiser, Bruno Mars, like, you know, Black Thought, until they would hit me after that Super Bowl and was like, we see you, boy, like that Jazzy Jeff, another one. He was like, yo, that was one of the greatest things I've ever, you know what I'm saying? Like when I get that validation, not just from Dre, because he Dre validated me in November to do it. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. Jay-Z validated me in November when they hired me. So that was cool. I was brought there. I tell people all the time I was brought there to do a job. I was always going to be the best me as an MD that I could be. That was never going to be the case. That doesn't mean that other people think that that's great. But when the homies hit me, bro, and I saw the comments online, at that point, I had been a part of a couple Super Bowls where it was like, you just can't please everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 
that's one of the first times I didn't see no negative <laughs> comments that weren't racial anyway, but it's right. like, I didn't see any creative negativity is what I'm going to say. And that makes me feel good, man. And then, you know, listen, eight months later, on top of that, we win this Emmy for best musical direction of the show. First time ever uh, Super Bowl halftime had been in contention and then won, of course. And I was super thankful for that, man. So being in the moment has been a, a little bit of an issue for me that I'm working on, even at 41 years old, being in the Rihanna moment, being in this Oscars moment that I'm in right now. It's yeah. just, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I don't know, man. I'm weaving through life with this sense of gratitude for sure. Well, as we're recording this episode, we are a few days away from Academy Awards, which is just like, oh, by the way, he's doing the Academy Awards right now. <laughs> but you live in Delaware. So yeah. Like you come to, you don't even live in LA. You don't even live there. You like literally dip in to do what you got to do and then just be out. This is my work home only. My family's in Delaware, my children, my wife, and uh, we love it there. I don't see myself moving anytime soon. Keeps you grounded. Well, literally, I like grass and trees and stuff like that. <laughs> like, so, yeah. you know, looking out my window now in Hollywood, I see the Hollywood sign and a bunch of buildings. So it's like I, I'm more of a rural suburban guy. I come here for work, which I'm super thankful for. But, um, you know, I, I like where I'm at, man. That allows me also to remain in a different type of creative energy space. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit and we'll, we'll dip back into Super Bowls and Academy Awards and whatnot. So you grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. Like you started playing in your father's church when you were like three or four years old. Yeah, I played. The story is that I played drums at four and really, a lot of that stemmed from my dad being a church organist and church pianist, my mom being in the choir. But then my dad quit his nine to five job. And I remember telling my mom, like, yo, I'm going to do this music thing full time. Right. And so in the late 80s, that wasn't sweet. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was kind of like, you're going to be an entrepreneur? Like, what is that? What does that right. mean? But, you know, my dad would, what we would call now, like a wedding band type of singer or whatever. But, uh, he did everything from weddings, bar mitzvahs, banquets, funerals, church services, sometimes two and three a day, a Sunday. Um, and so me gravitating toward instruments was because my dad at times didn't make our home church service. And he would be like, you playing organ today, right. you playing piano today, keep the service going. You playing drums today. I'm coming. I'm going to play organ. You going to play drums. You know what I mean? And so... That sense of um, that's a lot of pressure on a kid. It was pressure, but it, it allowed me to practice. I had a early, early, early. Now that I say it out of my mouth, Cole, it was like I ain't want to mess up. You know what I mean? So I would practice and practice and make sure I got the four songs right that my mom was going to sing or the choir was going to sing and make sure I could lead everybody into the spirit. And my whole family, too, man, uncles, aunties, all of that were just super heavily musically inclined in the Trenton area. And then when I moved to Willemboro, New Jersey, going to Willemboro High School was just a mind blowing experience for me because it was black excellence everywhere. Everybody had gone through there from boys to men to City High to Ty Tribbett to, uh, you know, my friends now, Derek Hodge, Thaddeus Tribbett. It was just kind of like. 
very much black Motown type of vibes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and um, Willenboro really raised me in my adolescence because it taught me that black was excellent. You know, we were the majority there. We had doctors, lawyers, musicians, ball players, track and field stars. And until I got to college in the real world, this sounds crazy, I know, but I didn't know that I was the minority. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, was, was a nice, posh suburb of Philadelphia. Yeah, we was the, we was the Huxtables, like yeah, straight up. Sure. Yeah, You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and, like, you know, 90 minutes from New York, 30 minutes from Philadelphia, nice houses. Suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Great middle class area. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we we pride ourselves on cutting our grass and putting our Christmas yeah. lights up, you know? <laughs> and so when I moved to Philly in 2000 for college and they were kind of like, who's this black kid? You know what I mean? I was like, wait a minute, I'm better than y'all. And you, right. can't, you right. can't tell me that I'm not because I was already groomed for greatness. You know what I mean? And and didn't know that the color of my skin had anything to do with how excellent I should excel or not excel. So then you get to um, Philly and then you start like connecting with the local music scene, which in 2000, I mean, I was on the radio then in Philly. And so like it was a lot of stuff happening. It changed my life, man. Changed my life. One one moving to Philadelphia changed my life. I was playing everywhere called restaurants, bars, jazz clubs, theater. I was a theater buff. I used to do the Prince Theater all the time. And then I strolled into this open mic spot called the Five Spot. The Five Spot. And the fire has it. Man, for real. <laughs> I mean, listen, that, that yo, it ended up burning down, right? No, I know. That was always my biggest fear. We couldn't get out. If we would have tried, we wouldn't have been able to get out of there. I'm so glad that happened with nobody in it. I try to tell people, Adam, about the five spot. Like, I don't think we, again, we wasn't living in the moment. But at that time, the things that we would see in that club, the people. Never going to be replicated. Yeah. Prince. Like, I remember Jill Scott because we we went to Temple together. So, like, I, I didn't even know. Jill was the singer until I saw her in the five spot, even though I saw her at school. It's oh. like so much energy was swirling in that little tiny, like the the Angelo, Indy Ivory, yeah. Bilal, Erica Badu, Jazzy Fat Nasty, Jasmine Sullivan at 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just so much, man. And so I went in there, that that facility and those sounds changed my ears forever. I was like, this is what I want to do with who I want to do it with. And so I became a, a, a five spot rat. I became a studio rat for Richard Nichols, rest in peace. And the Roots, the whole Roots crew, Amir and James and Black Thought. And I would just be at the studio, bro, across the street at Larry Gold's studio. And and one day my number was called and it was like, yo, you got your bass? You know what I mean? I said, yeah. And, and we did Josh Stone. Um, she was in Philly and James was working on like Anthony Hamilton or something like that in the back room. And that was it. Man. I've been rocking with our mayor and James and the Roots crew ever since, man. That was about 2002. You know, my number was finally called. So about two years at the five spot, like just kind of doing the open mic house band thing and just being there, being the big guy with the bass and always willing to to play and 
be down for whatever musically. And also, I, I do feel like my light shined different, which is how I got the title of musical director, because I just cared a little bit more, Cole, than a lot of people. I wanted to rehearse. I wanted to have the right band personnel. I didn't know what I was doing at the time was musical direction, but I was just like, nah, that background singer don't work for this. Let's yeah. let me hire, let me find you two different girls. Let me let me bring you some dancers. Let's try this. Let's maybe arrange. Let's let's add a percussionist. Like I was just kind of in my creative bag. And it didn't matter who the artist was. I wasn't doing it because I thought Prince was watching me. I was doing it because I was like, we got to we can't not sound good because this other band's coming in here. That's good. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was all super friendly competition. But that was that was it was tough in there. It was tough. Being a fellow Sagittarius that is a creative I know that your mind will drive you crazy with details and it's just nothing you can do about it. You got to like follow your brain. And and most people don't understand that. They don't understand how you think. They don't understand. But then when it all comes together, they're like, wow. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Wow. Like you did all of that. And, yeah. and that that is a that is a trait of a of a serious creative uh person. So then you get well, I call you the Forrest Gump because a lot of these moments I didn't know you or know about you, but I was there. Yeah. You get called to do the fade to black Jay-Z moment at Mad Square Garden. Now I gotta tell yeah. you. I was on the radio uh, and I was I was on the radio in the afternoons at the time and I wanted to I got I, I, you. You're a married guy. So you, you'll laugh at this. So I was supposed to take my wife to this show. We were going to drive, get off the air. We we're going to drive to New York, do it. But that show was so hard to come by that the label called me at the last minute, said we only got one ticket. And I called my Ooh. wife. And I was like, I'm sorry, I still got to go. Bye. I get there late and I'm just telling you from the outside. So you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside. Brothers had bum rushed all of the doors. They had closed the will call. There was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get in here. And then I happened to find the will call guy who had the tickets in his back pocket. Mm. Get into the venue. It is one of the most amazing nights I've ever experienced. Like I still get goosebumps thinking about and what Jay did. And that was like the a couple of times he did that at Madison Square Garden after that. But in that moment, we was like, oh, this is it. My man is leaving. It's it's done. It's never happening again. Yeah, it was two days before Thanksgiving. So it was like, oh, this is it. It's a wrap. Like, this is this is that moment. And it was like a Tuesday night. And talk a little bit about that. Because that was, and you can always see the documentary. There's a whole documentary about it. But yeah. you were called up. Was that your first real massive event? That was my first big gig, man. Um, Amir Questlove was the musical director. Uh, the Roots at that time, probably eight months prior, had done Unplugged with Jay-Z, MTV yep. Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to take that same thing on the road. But of course, The Roots was popping at the time, too. So Amir put what we called the B-Band together, Illadelphonics, uh, a bunch of us Philly cats. And, and man, we went on and play with Jay. And for me, man, 20 years ago, I was 20 years old. 
walking into a room with just Blaze, young pink polo looking dude, Kanye West, <laughs> Dame Dash, the one of the flyest dancing producers ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then coming to the show and pulling up on Young Puff and Mary and this this girl who I had posters on my wall named Beyonce at the time, you know what I mean? Like it was just a surreal thing, man. And we honestly, Cole, and you did too. You said we thought this was it. Yeah. We thought I this saw was, you had to be there. You had to be there. We thought this was the end of a cultural phenomenon who was Jay-Z, who had just, you know, at that time, black album was maybe his fifth album. Something like that. Blueprint like that. Blueprint One, Two, Reasonable Doubt. Life and Time, so one and two, yeah. So that was like the fifth album, and he had so much more in store. But you can't tell a businessman, you know, when to bow out. <laughs> and obviously, you know, listen, hindsight, he ain't bow out at all. I think the best was just yet to come. He was just a creative that just needed a break, and he, he needed a break. break. But then he went on to run Def Jam for that little while, and yep. you know, bring the Neos and the Jennifer Hudsons and, and Rihanna. The- Rihanna's out, Dream, and all of these incredible, you know, creatives together. Uh, Sanye, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So in that room, man, it was life-changing. And I just talked about it as well earlier, like forging those relationships from 2003. I then went on to work for Kanye. You know what I'm saying? And then from Kanye, I met Re. And then from Re, I met Drake. And then from Drake, I met like Janet Jackson. And from Janet, I met Justin Timberlake. So it was like that one concert alone for sure was the like incubus of what blossomed into my career for sure. I don't know where I would have been without that moment, without those moments, without people documenting it. That's the power. The first time I saw the power of, of camera yeah, as well. And so, yeah, man, I, I, I think... That one moment alone helped shape where I am today, for sure. People still remember me from that joint. You know what I'm no, saying? That was a, that was a moment. Yeah. It was just, it was definitely a moment. Yeah, um, I've done so much since then, and they just like, "Yo, you did fade to black." Like, <laughs> and another moment was the stunt that Rihanna did. That was like seven shows in seven days around the world. Yeah, man. Talk what about this? that? That was phenomenal. Smartest, dumbest things we've ever done in our life, man. By day four, we were delirious. <laughs> but uh, to promote her tour, Jay Brown had, had this phenomenal idea to go to seven countries in seven days on a 777 jet, take 70 press people with him and us to do these shows, man. And and, and, and fans. The- and they took fans, too. And some fans. It was crazy. So, yeah, we started in Mexico and worked our way around the globe, man. London, Paris, South America, Germany, back to New York, L.A. And it was just crazy. Um, We're really excited to play this new Rihanna music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, we were ambitious. And I don't think we knew how ambitious we were until we were on the road. Like I said, that third or fourth day when you actually on a tour at any time, you're not doing seven shows in a row, let alone are you on an airplane going to different time zones. So it's like sometimes we would fly, we would land, have to go straight to the venue because the time was already nighttime. You know what I'm saying? 
And um, it was pretty ambitious, pretty crazy. But that's one of those same moments, man, that set the world on fire to establish her superstardom for sure. It made sense for you to then do her Super Bowl because you got you have that relationship with her. Yeah, that's so, the moment. Let's talk about this recent Super Bowl that we just saw. And it was great to see Rihanna. We miss her. So it was good that, that she was able to perform and do all her hits. So talk a little bit about this. What's the difference between this? Because it was one artist versus usually a bunch of different artists. I don't want to say that it was easier because her catalog can still go. The 13 minutes and those the songs that I chose, that we all chose, definitely could have been sprinkled in with some other things for sure. But she's always the anti, no pun intended, right? You know, she's all the first meeting that we had was just like, I want to do something different. I want to look and sound different than what anybody's ever seen at this football game, you know? And so that started with the creative and myself and my partner, Omar Edwards, who's another Philly guy and choreographer extraordinaire, Paris Global. We put together an incredible, what I deem to be an incredible 13 minutes of music and visual that she executed with precision. And then goes to talk about, for me, shooting the visual of this, how how much interaction and how instrumental that is in, in, in being a part of the, the visual. You know what I'm saying? Being a part of the moment. Just shooting her up on those 80 foot towers, having the music swoop down and be what it is. And then the camera swoop down with the music. It's like we basically scored that thing almost like a movie, bro. You know what I mean? If I can be completely honest, this was less about playing the hits back to back and more like creating a moment in time uh, where you felt like you were going on a ride, you know what I mean? A, a, a ride of, of emotions, ride of music. And then she was, you know, pretty much the, the pilot of it all. So super thankful to be a part of that. That's my girl. You know, Riri already knows she got my heart. Anything musically, me and her, we rock to the end. And, and she pushes me to be the best that I can be and to even think outside the box. So I often wonder when I th- think about you, that you must get like the randomest calls at times with fellow creatives with, Hey, I want to run something by you. Like, how do you manage that? Because, you know, part of being creative for those that aren't creative, there's a certain energy that you have. And yeah. so you, have to, you have to really take care of that energy and it can be zapped by other people. And then you're not really creative anymore. So how do you manage that? And, and uh, what are some moments that we may know now that, started with a random phone call other than Dr. Dre over the Super Bowl, but just random conversations with artists. Well, how I protect it is knowing that my job entails me to protect them. You know what I'm saying? And what I mean by protect them is that some of their ideas, I want to make sure they, they're thought out. I want to make sure that they thought about the creative consequences or even the creative repercussions or saying like, yo, I didn't think about that. That's pretty great of an idea. How, what if we did it also like this and incorporate the musical value into it? One of those crazy, crazy moments was when I first heard Suit and Tie by Justin and Jay. He pulled up on me. Uh, I pulled up on Justin in New York and he played me this music. And I, at the time, like, you know, me being a jazz head too, Cove, I was like, live horns, it's a sample, it's, it's, it's chopped and screwed. It's like, I'm like, what is this? And then the J verse comes. So it's like, 
you validating this new Sinatra type of feeling record, you know what I'm saying? With a hip hop voice by the goat, you know? And um, he said, so yeah, this was like Christmas time of that year. And he was like, yeah, so I think I'm going to debut this on the Grammys. Like, you with me? Like, what are we going to do? How you see it? What do you what do you see when you hear this music? And I'm like, man, I, I see a big band. I see bandstands. I see us literally wearing suit and ties and not like your normal R&B show black. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and so that, that's been cool, too, man. And then, um, you know, I have tons and tons of moments where it's like, you know, right before Shakira Super Bowl, she called me the day before my birthday and was like, can you come to Spain right now? And I was in Philly. I was like, for what? Right, right. <laughs> um, she was like, I want to run some Super Bowl ideas by you, but I'm home with my children. And and can you come here? And like, they flew me over there. I was like, this is about to be a lot. It's crazy. But when I got there, she was the sweetest person, man. They got a stat. For those that don't know, Shakira is like a god in Colombia, like straight up. They got a statue of her at the airport. <laughs> yeah. And so to see how down to earth she was, to really hear her sense of family. And to see how involved in the creative music process she is, because she don't got to do that because of all her other things going on. It was really refreshing and allowed me to then choose to do the project at the time and then also be like, man, I got to put my best foot forward because she she's involved in what's going on. COVID. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. There's tons of stories. Those, that's the last that I remember in the last six, seven years. But I got, you know, Kanye stories where he's called me and like, I'm, 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 I'm going to make a record with all 808s. And I was like, huh? Like, for what? <laughs> and like, come to the studio and you know, listen to this song I got called Love Lockdown. It ain't got it ain't got no beat. It ain't got no 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 backbeat on it. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, yeah. I think you I think you crazy. I think you pushing it. Yeah, yeah is um I you know, I I did one of my episodes of backstories. I missed the old Kanye. I, I was very connected to him early in his career and we're actually one of the first radio people to embrace him and play his music and i used to do this thing in philly called behind the beats yeah yeah i remember that yeah well i would bring the artists into the studio and i did him to the studio um the week that um his debut album came out um and just watching his mind how it works and actually on that day i introduced him to sound of philadelphia uh kenny um yeah kenny gamble kenny gamble like i the my mind went blank for a minute, but Kenny Gamble, I introduced him to Kenny Gamble, surprised him that night, but the way his mind operates, like you can look at him and know like, man, that must be torture. Cause he's like, there's creative, but did with that guy is like, it's constantly going, bro. He can't yeah, yeah. turn it off. He can't, yeah, he turn, can't it turn it off. That's it. He can't he, turn it off. It's gotta be exhausting. Like, yeah. He can't turn it off, man. It's, it's a scary thing. I'm sure for him, because it's like, he, the ideas he has too have never a lot of them have never been done, but you can yeah. see that now in his fashion. You can see that in his music. 
um, that he's been envelope pushing and then we people try to chase it and it's like he on to the next thing. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the first ones. I did the Glow in the Dark tour, arguably one of the top five hip hop tours ever. It's like he really made it theater. You know what I'm saying? He really made it cool to have a set for hip hop people. He made it cool for lights to actually be flashing and going on for a lot of these new guys now that, you know, they, I don't want to say they, they've stolen anything, but they've definitely borrowed from Ye's genius. You know what I mean? So um, he's another one where the, the, the creative brainstorming calls happen at any time of night, any time of day. Yep. You know, he would definitely but, ask you to come someplace far away. Uh, oh man, it was Mother's Day. He said, "Yo, come to Hawaii on oh, Mother's yeah, Day. We yeah, working yeah. on, we working on Watch the Throne or something." It was like, yeah, I was like, man, I, I can come for a day. I got to get back to my wife. It was like our first Mother's Day or something like that with our new baby, and he was like, "All right, just come for the day." And I'm like, "No, we're not coming to Hawaii for the day, bro." That's that's. Uh, I did, Cole. Oh, Guess how do you how did you even do that, man? That's insane. I went to Hawaii for the day. Did was very ignorant to how far it was from Philly. I went to Hawaii. I left on a Thursday and I came back. I got there, worked all day Friday, and came back on Saturday night to be there for Mother's Day Sunday for my wife and and mom. And it was just crazy, but I did. Um, thank you record for Jay-Z out there. I did, um, a couple other joints for like records that they were working on. It, it, it made sense, you know, but that he's one of the ones that like, come on out now. <laughs> All right, Adam, I just want to thank you, man. This has been great to, uh, for you to come by the backstory podcast. Again, somebody I've watched, uh, behind the scenes so often and um it's really good to finally just really chop it up with you and chop that creativity so now how do you ramp yourself up for the academy awards man um i was blessed to be the musical director for the 94th academy awards last year where philly represented crazy heavily good and bad (laughs) (laughs) but i'm I, i don't you know i'm excited man very much what Rihanna represents for this song, uh, Lift Me Up. We lost an icon in Chadwick, mm-hmm. um, but we all know legends never die. So what we're going to do with this moment is lift him up and literally hold him down while we're here on Earth, man. We're going to pay pay homage to all our legends and wish Rihanna great luck at the same time for winning Best Original Song in her first Academy Award. So it's, it's going to be great, man. I got something very special planned musically. Um, this song touches a lot of hearts and a lot of minds. And, and it's one of those powerful moments in film um, that is going to live forever. So we're, I'm hoping to do it justice live. No, we can't wait to see it. And I, to be honest, man, I don't know what you do next. Like you've covered every aspect of it. So I, I got that, man. So, you know, September of last year, I was able to put my debut album out, Legacy. Legacy, yeah. Um, you know, around, we are around midnight with uh, Jasmine Sullivan. Fight. That's right, Grammy nominated, and we are very recently just Image Award winning best jazz album. All right, all right. And so I'm having a full circle moment coming up right away, Kobe, and I am opening for Miss Jill Scott on her tour as an artist. Wow. And so very we're doing. Cool. We're doing three nights at the Met, three nights in Brooklyn. I'm doing her whole East Coast run, Jersey, possibly Boston, possibly Ohio. 
And um, that's what's next for me, man. I created this moment for my children, for my family. I've been so blessed to work with all of your favorite artists. But it's something different when you have something to call your own and that you have ownership of and that is able to hopefully feed your family directly. And so Legacy, the album is out now. Everybody, please go get that. It's a, it's a, it's been a labor of love for me, but it's, it's a little bit of soul, it's a little bit of jazz, a little bit of gospel, a lot of rhythm and blues, and it's going well. So that's that's what's next, man. I'm taking on this artist thing and really doing it for for my children and for their legacy. All right, Adam Blackstone, stream his album right now, Legacy. Watch the show on Showtime to see my man do his thing behind the scenes at the Super Bowl. And we're going to stay connected to you, man. Congratulations, man. I appreciate you, Cole. Thank you for all your, your hard work and what you do for the culture, bro. Real talk. Coming up on the next Backstory Podcast, songstress and actress, Let Us See. So here I am playing Gladys, and I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't want to be like her, but I wanted to give her essence of a great businesswoman who took care of her group and community and being black and just powerful in a time for black women where you couldn't be that. You know what I mean? She was that. The Backstory Podcast with Colby Kolb is an Urban One Incorporated Reach Media Pod is Good production hosted and executive produced by yours truly, Colby Kolb, edited by Donkus. Follow us on Twitter at BackstoryPCC on Instagram, get the backstory. Senior Director of Podcast Operations, Sierra Reed. For sales and corporate partnerships, Josh Romani and Michelle Marino. Digital Marketing, Walter Gaynor, J.R. Smith, and Tim Hall. Thanks again for listening to the Backstory Podcast.